<laughs> Hello. Hi. Hi. This is the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for the week of Hear That Click, October 13th. Wednesday. It is it is a Wednesday in that. In that? Indeed. Great start. Great start. Uh, I should probably start this over, but I'm not going to because that's just the way it goes. Anywho, I am, of course, Mark Krishnes, and this is, of course, the Big Slater Sausage Podcast, where I talk about video games, usually too many in one episode, and just sprint through them, and then I forget what I'm even talking about or what the games are about. And I'm going to do that again today with some Skeletal Avenger, Synth Riders, God Strike, Song in the Smoke, Centipede Recharge, <laughs> Grey Lancer, Rover Mechanic, Simulator, Underland, and The Lightbringer. It's a game where you bring light to the, the, the smoky songs. I don't know. Anywho, let us just get right to it. Because I have found that with my leaving of a particular Discord, spoilers, the Player One Podcast Discord, which I may return to at some point in the future, though those who listen to this and are members of that Discord... The thing that's uh, scary, the longer I'm away, the more I don't miss it overall. I miss aspects of about it, but then I think of the small things that really bugged me (laughs) or the few people. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it's a weird, it's a weird month, weird few weeks. Still need to refresh. I think October is just going to be the month of refreshing. <sighs> but let us get back to it with the uh, Skeletal Avenger. So I'm starting off things on a positive note. I know what you were expecting there. More negative, 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 because I'm just one big negative Nancy. But Skeletal Avenger is super fun, and it's not at all surprising. I was expecting greatness from this game. And it's not like the most amazing thing in the world, but it is a solid, fun, little hack and slash. What do you call it? I don't think you'd call it. It's not It's not a rogue. Like, I just am so conditioned, I guess, to expect so many games to be rogue-ish in a way. But it is a game where you are an adventurer who was killed by someone or other and you are brought back to life via your skeletal remains and this overseer wizard dude is sending you on these adventures to take down people who he doesn't like in order to gain these shards or whatever so that you can eventually go and get revenge story who cares what you're doing essentially is going through these levels and killing rats other skeletons warriors etc all so that you can gain currency and whatnot to improve your character with permanent upgrades. So you can improve improve the stats of your little skeletal dude. But at the same time, you are gaining equipment and buffs to this or that, which you only keep until you die. And when you die, you reset with all your health, but you lose perks and whatnot. But you keep those permanent upgrades that you've used money obtained in the levels to improve like your overall weapon damage or overall health your poison damage when you have a poison perk etc 
And when you are going through these levels, so each of these areas, I believe all of them are broken up into four different levels. So you're progressing through these stages and they're getting more and more difficult with more difficult enemies, all crescendoing with a, not, I, I guess they are bosses, but they're not, don't think super elaborate bosses. They're just stronger enemies who have maybe multiple attack cycles and stuff. But they're not too challenging. The game is at its most difficult when there are just so many enemies on screen attacking you all at once. Many of them shooting projectiles and all that. When the screen is getting very, very busy, then it's hard to maneuver. But at your disposal, you have a basic sword, a dash mechanic. You can do up to three in a row before having to let it recharge. And you can throw your skull at enemies, at enemies, and you will get perks that will adjust what your skull can do. You can get one that will do more damage. You can have one where the damage is decreased, but the skull, when you throw it, will automatically home in on the toughest enemy. And when you throw your skull and it hits an enemy, it will fall there and you have to go pick it up. You can hold the throw button, which on Xbox, I believe, is the B button to reclaim it that way you have to hold it for a while though and i can't i can't remember if you can hold it while moving because i usually just run over there and dash to pick it up anyway because of how long it takes it probably takes maybe three seconds to reclaim it from a distance but that is something you can do from any distance so it it, it does have its advantages but you're just going through these levels attacking enemies with your sword or your skull collecting loot collecting gold and it's just that loop there are a lot of things to upgrade it'll take you a, a decent amount of time to get all of the upgrades and it's just a fun little game it's a fun bite-sized games it has fun bite-sized games it's a fun bite-sized game and it does have quick resume which is nice on xbox which you may be saying to yourself why are you even mentioning that well if you are at all familiar with these series consoles and new games, especially new indie games, a lot of them don't have Quick Resume enabled. And it's one of the many reasons why I think Quick Resume is just this joke, garbage, worthless thing. In addition to it not always working, it's just like, whatever. Quick Resume is dumb, but uh, it works with Skeletal Avenger. And yeah, I just think it's a fun, fun, fun little game. I think it's on all platforms. And why I wasn't surprised, or, or why I was expecting greatness from this game is because it's from 10 tons limited which is just to me maybe the the best small developer publisher of these fun little games with great gameplay loops they are more known overall i'd say for twin stick shooters because they did i believe they did crimson land the Tesla versus Lovecraft, and there are two Tesla Lovecraft games, Judgment, Neon Chrome, and I think there's one more in there, maybe two more, but they just, they get games on a gameplay level. The games they make are just fun to play, and they have mechanics and systems in them that are fun to work towards they they know how to draw you in and 
provide you with an experience that is fun in small doses. And even if I were to just sit there and play it for a few hours, I would still have fun. But I think their games shine in small little chunks. So unless, for whatever reason, it's not on Switch, this is an absolutely perfect for Switch game. And I recommend it very highly. It plays well. It. The only negative I'd say is that it doesn't look that great. Of all their games, it's probably one of the worst looking ones because it just uh, is very basic and doesn't have a lot of style. It, it's it, You're not there for the, the visuals. But the gameplay, very fun. Very fun game. And I love just uh, getting that gold and improving my character. I love leveling systems. I love leveling systems when I like the gameplay. And I like the gameplay in Skeletal Adventure. And then Synth Riders is a game I've talked about many times. A VR game. One of those ones where you are hitting notes as they're flying towards you. Along with the beat and everything. Uh, and it's, it's my favorite of those bunches of the Beat Sabers and all those games. I think Synth Riders is the best and most fun overall. And they recently came out with a new, because they, they had some Muse songs added in the past, but a new Muse pack with another experience song. So if you've played Synth Riders, most of the levels are just, okay, the notes are coming at you, you have your score to, to work towards, and your chain and all that jazz and you can do multiple modes whether it's just having to put your hands in the position of the notes or you have to hit them and it's it's a fun simple little game but with these experiences instead of worrying about score or anything like that they remove all the ui from the screen and the notes are still coming at you as they would but you are now in this space where so much more is going on and it becomes more of an experience. It's more about the experience of that song, of that stage, than of going after a high score or anything like that. It's more about the visual spectacle that it has been handcrafted for that particular song. And they've added another one with this newest Muse pack for Starlight, which is a fantastic Muse song, one that I think is... Maybe, maybe their most perfect song for an experience type thing. And this is the third in their experience line of songs, whatever. Prior to this, there was, I think, Come Out and Play is the name of it, right? By uh, The Offspring. You got to keep them separated. That's what I think. I don't really know The Offspring that well. I know, of course, you know. Crazy Taxi, and I think, they, I think they, did they do a cover of I Wanna Be Sedated? There's something, no. I Wanna, there's I Wanna Something. There's some song I really like, where it's like, I don't know, it's like a rom-com song. It's not a rom-com song. Shut up. Uh, and then prior to that, their first one was Algorithm by Muse, I think. And of the first two, the Muse song was easily the best the offspring song was solid but a weird choice for an experience song i always thought and when i heard that they were adding another one and it was going to be another muse song and that it was starlight i was like holy shit i can't wait for this one there there are also like four or five other muse songs that are just regular versions and, and those are all great because muse is just muse 
and synth riders are a match, making, uh, match made in heaven. They are perfect for each other. Great, 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 great. Starlight is a bit of a mixed bag in terms of its experience. I would put it in the middle overall from the three experiences that are out there. I don't think there's a fourth. So I would put it in the middle. It's better than Come Out and Play by the Offspring, but it's not as good as Algorithm because I think Algorithm has the best note mapping. It just feels really good. It feels about as perfect as any of the Synth Rider games feels in terms of the movement it's asking you to do along with the music that is accompanying it. And the experience is pretty solid. Starlight, for maybe the first two-thirds, is just okay and a little bit underwhelming. And the, the note mapping is sometimes a bit off. But the crescendo, the very end of the song, holy shit, that is easily, easily the best of any experience song. Easily. It was incredible. It was on the level of something like the Ashtray Mage in Control. It was just this really almost powerful moment. I was, and, and it could be in part because I was a bit underwhelmed throughout the majority of the song that when things started happening visually and the music started to build up, it just became this really powerful thing, man. I I was very taken aback by that, mostly because I was like, ah, oh, this is just okay. And then boom, I got hit with some fucking amazing shit. So I think Starlight overall is in the middle of the experience songs, but the the best of Starlight is easily the best of any experience song. But yeah, if you've never played uh, Synth Riders, I can't recommend it highly enough. I think it is such a fun VR experience with great music. Even the music from bands I don't know and the songs I don't know, they all really fit this type of game and they work well together and it's just a fantastic game. It is my favorite VR experience overall. I, I'd say there are certain things I like about other games like Wipeout, the Omega Collection on PlayStation is one fucking absolutely gorgeous and then, I don't know. I, I would have to play other things like Resident Evil 7 or Moss. But uh, Synth Riders is just, it's, it's kind of what I want out of VR. I want something that is getting me moving and something that is providing me with an experience that I wouldn't be able to get otherwise. Which is not the case for Song in the Smoke. Which is the latest game from, is it 7-Bit Studios? Um, and it's a survival game. The problem with it for me is that I've played it for an hour or so, maybe a bit more, and it's comfortable. I immediately turned on the, I don't know, fluid movement or whatever, because it defaults to having you turn at 45 degree angles or something like that. And I hate that. I just want free movement because I understand that I guess for some or a lot Free movement when you're not moving in real life is very disorientating and gives people motion sickness. I don't have any of that problem, so I just want to be able to be able to move around freely because I, I find that the the herky jerky nature of turning in, in increments is way more disorientating. So I was glad that that option was there, 
And then to like climb, you just look in the direction, you hold the button, and when it turns green, you can climb up things. You're collecting food, eating all that stuff, worrying about your your warmth and all the usual jazz in a survival game. You're crafting stuff, attacking creatures. And your goal is, as far as I could tell, to go around in these small little environments that get bigger as you progress and collect these three or four purple stones that will open up and then you'll get a little like boss fight or whatever. But my problem with the game is that the entire time playing it, nothing about it stood out as being very VR-y or whatever. I didn't, I didn't play it and think to myself, oh, I, I, I can see why I'm playing this in VR and not just as a regular 2D game. And for me, that is any VR game's Achilles heel. If it doesn't feel like it needs to be in VR, then I have no desire to play it. Because if, it, if it's not giving me something that is unique to VR, like really unique, sure. I mean, I'm in first person. You can say there's immersion there because I'm able to look around or whatever. That's not good enough for me. Give me something unique. Otherwise, just give me the game as a regular game. Because as cool as it might be to be inside this virtual space or whatever, the trade-off of having to wear this bulky headset that is not super comfortable no matter what it is, whether it's PlayStation, like wearing this heavy enough thing on your head for long enough is just not my ideal if I don't need to do it for some kind of unique experience. So yeah, it looks okay too. It's a bit muddy, which I think is by design to give it more of a stylistic look, but it does look a bit muddy, at least on the Quest, which is where I'm playing the Quest 2 to be specific. But it controls well. The The probably most enjoyable part of the game for me was the crafting whether you're crafting spears or pieces to make a bow or using a mortar and pestle to smash up some crap you found and then holding up to yourself and drinking like the crafting was probably the most enjoyable aspect of the vr experience but overall i just thought it's a well-made game it's a well-made game and if you are way into vr and my issue isn't an issue you have, which is just that if I don't really feel like there's a reason for the game to be in VR, I, I lose all interest, then it's worth checking out. Because it you know, plays well. Looks all right. Might look better on a, a PC going that route as opposed to the, the standalone device. It just didn't do much for me. Then... God Strike is a twin-stick shooter boss rush type of game. So you're basically just fighting bosses. And I played just a little bit of this because the controls felt off. I really want to like it. I like it conceptually. But I may have just been losing my mind. I don't know what was going on. But the bit I played, and I kept playing to see if maybe it would change. I restarted the game and whatnot to see if there's something just weird the initial launch or whatever the aiming seems off and what i mean by that is that when i'm aiming with the right analog stick and i'm pushing in a direction it seems like and i'm not sure which direction it is i think right it feels like the bullets aren't going where i'm expecting them to go but just ever so slightly to the right of where i'm uh, expecting them to go and 
that is something, of course, I could get used to, that I can just realize, or I can grow to be accustomed to it in this game and just understand that in this game, I'm going to have to aim slightly off to get the bolts to go exactly where I want them to go. I don't want to do that. It feels weird. It's not some grand, amazing game that justifies becoming comfortable with that uh, weirdness, that, that slightly off nature. So yeah, that was just my experience with it. Maybe I'm losing my mind. Maybe that's a, an actual thing. I don't know. But it made God Strike basically unplayable for me because of that. Then Centipede Recharge is of the same ilk as stuff like Pac-Man Championship Edition or the Space Invaders Infinity Extreme or whatever. Those games that take classic arcade games and then try to liven them up with some fun new ideas and new visuals. And the first problem for me with this is that I've never been a huge Centipede fan to begin with, so it already had an uphill battle. But I was hoping that maybe the new flavor, the newness that they added to it would get me into it. And not so much, because it still is at its heart Centipede. I don't like the visuals all that much. I don't think that the new neon-y visuals are all that great. So that is one knock against it. And then you have your basic arcade mode, where it's just you trying to survive as long as you can as they're throwing more and more at you. When the spiders come in, they will drop power-ups that will give you new weapon abilities. So you might get a spread shot or an auto-firing gun or something that shoots forward and then both to the sides. Uh, you can get bombs in the environment that will explode and cause chain reactions. And you can take out a lot of enemies that way. And that, that mode is fine. I got a little tired of it pretty quickly just because it's basic centipede. And you're just doing the centipede shit. And I just don't, don't really like centipede all that much. <laughs> and then there's also challenge mode that was more interesting. And I did enjoy that. Because... That is asking you to do things like kill these enemies only with bombs or clear all of the the inactive pieces, the things that are left when the centipedes die. What are they called? It's like blocks, I guess. So they want you to clear a certain number of those blocks. And they, they, they have some fun with the, the challenges. And that they're not just all of the same exact ilk. So I, I, I dig that about it. But... Your mileage will definitely vary. I think you very much so have to be a Centipede fan to enjoy it. If you're not a Centipede fan, this won't change your mind. That's that's what I really want to say. If you, if you are indifferent towards Centipede, or if you don't mind Centipede, sure, you'll have a good time. But if you are someone like me who isn't the biggest fan of it, it's not going to change your mind. That is the one thing that I'll say about it, definitively. It's It's not something that transcends its uh, origins or anything. It, it's just, it's centipede with some new twists and whatnot and new visuals. But it's still centipede. And if you don't like centipede, eh, you're not going to like this. Then Grey Lancer is 
I guess a Mega Drive game that never came to the States until making its way to virtual console. And then that's the only way it was available in the States. Uh, unless, of course, you imported the, the Mega Drive version or whatever. And it is a horizontal left to right scrolling shmump. Is that horizontal? I always I always forget it. I always, I always screw those up. But um, this is essentially just a port of that version. And it's all right. It comes with the usual bells and whistles of these types of games, adding rewinds, save slots, etc. And that's all well and good. My issue with the game is that, and it also has like the CRT filters and aspect ratios, all the, the, the usual jazz that you expect from this. And it, it's nice. It's a nice package. My problem with the game, though, is that I found it really hard to read at times in terms of enemy projectiles. So there's a lot of stuff that can be going off on screen at one time. And there were so many times I died because I just didn't see a projectile coming at me or I didn't see a projectile and I ran into it. I just ran into it. And that is just something inherent in the game. And it, it made it a really frustrating experience, sadly. But yeah, if you, if you like shmups, it's probably worth checking out. And if you've never played or played it on Virtual Console and you liked it, you already know you like it, yeah, sure, pick it up. It's fine. I mean, it's a, it's a decent package for a game that I think is a little bit hard to read. Then uh, Rover Mechanic Simulator is a... Uh, so, one, playing on Xbox, as one might expect... It is clunky to control with a controller. However, of these games that I played, I played the Car Mechanic Simulator, the PC Builder, and I think something else or whatnot. I think this is the easiest one to deal with. Or maybe I'm just used to it to some extent at some point or at this point. But I found that this one overall was easy to manage once I started to get a hang of how everything worked. I do think that the game runs a little sluggish. It's a little bit choppy when you are walking around the space, but when you're actually working on a rover and removing parts, adding parts, inspecting things, it's all fine and dandy. And you're basically just you know, putting these rovers together, fixing them, finding broken parts in them, expect, inspecting them to see what is the issue, and then fixing those issues using your 3D printer to print new objects, which is only disappointing in that you can't see the 3D printer working, so you just put something in there, you input what you want, and then you wait for it to come out. And it was disappointing that I couldn't see the 3D printer working. That made me sad. But yeah, you're just, you know, getting these rovers, you're looking around, oh, the 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 wheel on this thing is busted, so I'm going to take this wheel off, and the way that works is that you will select a part of the wheel, and then you will hold the button to, say, remove all the screws to remove that part. You don't have to rotate for each screw or anything like that, which would have made the experience incredibly tedious, and I'm glad that isn't the case. That it's just like, okay, there are eight screws here. Instead of making you rotate each one of them off, you just hold the button, and you watch them rotate off, and you get to hear the rotating off sound, which is satisfying, but you don't have to do that shit with your 
with your controller, which is nice. But uh, yeah, it's 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 a relaxing game. I'm trying to think of what to really say about it. I do think that if you have a PC and you are accustomed to playing games on PC, there's there's no reason to play this on Xbox because you're just going to give yourself a bit more grief control-wise doing it that way. But if you only have an Xbox and you want something that is pretty relaxing and these types of simulators are your jam, I think Rover Mechanic Simulator, uh, Simulator is a pretty solid one of these. It is the one that I had the most fun with. And maybe it's because I don't drive a car. I don't care about cars. And building a PC, <laughs> it's just like <laughs> fucking stupid, I guess. I don't know. And rovers are kind of cool. So I, I don't know. I, I like this one. I like rover mechanics. I had a good time with it. Then Underland is a 30-level puzzle game. I guess you could call it a puzzle platformer where you're controlling these two astronaut folk who are coming to Earth after it's been hit with some toxic shit or something and people are now living underground. And you're going to go find them. And there's toxic waste all over the place. And you are using machinery and whatnot to create paths and remove hazards so that you can get to an elevator to keep going down. And it's super, super, super tedious. It doesn't look that great. Not overly fond of the aesthetic, but my biggest problem is that it's so fucking tedious to do anything in the game because everything moves at a snail's pace. The devices you're using, they move slow. You, your characters, they move slow. There's no run button, no way to speed it up, and it just makes the whole experience annoying because if you are doing something and you fail or fuck up, you can't rewind a little bit. You have to start the, the level over. And if you have to do that, you have to go through the whole tedious aspect of it all over again so i was moving this drill for instance underground and i went a little too far underground and couldn't get back high enough to open a gap in the ground to let this hazardous slug slug hazardous mush whatever slime fall into a cavern underground so that my astronaut dudes could uh, get over to the elevator and I had to restart it. And that was annoying because of how slow everything works. So yeah, I just I, I find the game way, way too tedious to want to stick with for any extended period of time. I played through fucking maybe like I guess you know like a quarter of the game, eight or so levels, and I was like, I'm good. I'm good. This is already taking too much of my time. But uh last but not least, the Lightbringer is a really, really fun little 3D platformer where you're a little dude and there's something involving your sister. I don't know if she's dead or not. I didn't really get all that invested in the story, but you're bringing light back to the world. You're going around these environments, collecting these light pieces and reaching the inevitable end of the level through a gate that you go through. And then you see how many things you got, how many things you missed. You one of the big aspects of the game is the camera rotation and, and being in the 3D space and rotating it to find hidden objects and secrets and stuff like that. But at your disposal, you have a double jump 
and a boomerang. That's pretty much it. You'll fight some basic enemies. These these slushy little things. Slugs. Slushy. I just love the word slugs and slushy, I guess, today. And they're pretty easy to deal with because they're slow. They do try and provide a bit more challenge by having ones wear pots so that you have to hit them twice. You have to knock the pot off first and then you hit them. Or ones that have these spiky helmets that only have a gap in the, the back of them. So you have to run around to the, the behind and smack them on the behind. Smack them on that ass and then they'll lose that helmet. You can kill them that way. And you use your, your boomerang to help with puzzles as well. And it has a bit of a Zelda-y vibe. A more puzzly focused Zelda E vibe. Looks pretty good. Has a nice aesthetic. It's a bit aliased on the Switch. And when there are a lot of enemies on screen, it can slow down ever so slightly. Not super slow, but you'll probably drop, I don't know, five, six frames when uh, a lot of enemies are on screen. But it, overall, it runs well enough on the Switch, which is where I was playing it with the Pro Controller, because my Joy-Cons are broken, and I need to send them in. But I played through the first area and got to the the second. There are, I think, four areas, each broken up with uh, into five levels, except for the last one only has four levels. And I've, I've had a good time with it. The, the jumping feels good. The boomeranging feels pretty good overall. It can be a bit frustrating in terms of where you're throwing it when dealing with enemies and stuff. You can aim it with, I think, uh, holding the left bumper or whatever it is on the pro pad. The, what is it, ZL, LZ button. But yeah, it, it plays well. It looks good. And it's a, a, satisfy, a satisfying 3D platformer. I always feel like I know where I am in the space. I never am confused about my location or where I'm jumping to. So that is something that is very key for 3D platforms. And that's definitely not a problem. I never was ever frustrated with the jumping, with the mechanics. I only was mildly frustrated at times by the fact that it, it can be hard to see where you are in a space depending on the camera position and the the objects that are obscuring your vision because they, they kind of try to show you through them but they, it doesn't really work so you just have to rejigger the camera and find a good angle but yeah the Lightbringer is a solid 3D platformer and if you are a fan of the puzzly bits of Zelda's uh, I'd say it's well worth checking out and like I said Minor performance issues on the Switch, but nothing too terrible. And it looks pretty good because it's very stylized. And you only notice the jaggies if you aren't playing. If you just like stop controlling the character and you purposely look at the game, you're like, oh, kind of jaggy, a little bit jaggy. But in motion, you're not really paying attention to any of that. And I was playing on the TV, on, on the Switch handheld screen it it may look really really good i would imagine it would look really really good and when i get my joy cons back hopefully i can play it that way and uh, i'll be able to say oh yeah it looks really really good but yeah lightbringer pretty good game so i you know started and ended with some good games 
We had Skeletal Avenger and Synth Riders to start us off, and then the Lightbringer to bring us home. And then we had the Rover Mechanic Simulator mixed in the middle. That was like, oh, that's a nice, nice little surprise. Nice little surprise. That probably is the biggest surprise of the, the week, though. I, I am very wary of games like that because they just, they can be rough on console. But uh, I think Rover Mechanic does a good job of uh, working on a controller. But uh, yeah, that will do it for this here Pixelated Sausage Podcast. Once again, I am Marcus Nez. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. If you... Nope, no, 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 no. The site is, of course, PixelatedSausage.com, where you can find this podcast and Attack the Backlog, both of which are available on podcast services across the globe. If you'd like to see me streaming games, you can go over to twitch.tv slash PXSausage. I just made a big change, and that change is the removal of my cam. No more cam, because you know what? I added it and was using it because I thought I needed to, but clearly it wasn't bringing in viewers or anyone, so it doesn't really matter for me. No cam. No cam it is. So, uh, yeah, get excited for that. you never see me ever again. Yet she is. But, uh, yeah, that is, again, twitch.tv slash sausage. If you'd like to check out the videos I make, like the videos for Attack the Backlog, you can go over to youtube.com slash pixelated sausage. If you'd like to check out the art I make, go back to the site, pixelatedsausage.com, and if you see something you like, you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. As always, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy this here episode, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day, a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful rest of your week, and an absolutely lovely weekend. Bye!